week, the comics guys answer your questions. Yes, thank you, Ben. Uh, this time, uh, we're going to be doing a slightly different kind of episode. We're about two years into this at this point. So we've decided to take some questions from you, the listeners. Um, and uh, most of these come, I believe, from our uh, Discord um, or from uh, other, other uh, social networks that we're parts of. Um, so if you like this format, please let us know. Um, and if you really like this format, uh, please join our Discord. And there you can ask us questions and we'll try and answer them to the best of our ability. Absolutely. Uh, so, Darren, I'm just going to choose one off the list here. Okay. Uh, this one seems like one that you uh, would know. Uh, what is the best music-themed comic or music superhero crossover? Uh, music-themed comic or music superhero crossover? I th- the obvious answer is Kiss, right? I mean, Kiss was, like, born to be, you know, in comic books. Um, and so I would say the actual like Marvel Kiss uh, uh, original graphic novel um, is great, and then all of Kiss's uh, you know assorted other comics, the Psycho Circus stuff, and everything are also piles of fun. What's yeah, yours? I, I don't think I've ever read a music themed crossover comic. Um, so sort of in the not really the exact question, but in the nature of the question, I guess. I wasn't a big fan of uh, Batman, Batman Brave and the Bold, the the cartoon all the time. Um, mm-hmm. but I really enjoy the Music Meister episode. Paris, <laughs> um, that one was very interesting and uh, pretty cool. Um, Hilarious, absolutely yes. Yeah, I mean that was a that was probably might might actually be the best episode of that show. Um, yeah, I don't think it counts as a comic, but sure, it's a superhero story about music. Yes. Yeah, well, it's a music, uh, you know, best music themed comics, a music slash superhero crossover. Fair. Um, so, you know, what the, the one of the worst ones is the Dazzler album. Um, I wouldn't listen to that. Uh, I don't know why I wouldn't listen to that, but that was awful. Um, <laughs> like the actual Dazzler album that Marvel right. put out. God, yep. that, was, that was terrible. Maybe it was good. I, I don't really know. Maybe in the 80s it would have been considered good. I don't think so. No, it's not good disco, right? So, yeah, I'm not the biggest disco fan in the first place, but right, um, I like disco fine, and this is not particularly good disco. I remember listening to. It. I haven't listened to it in a long time, but uh, what's what are some other music themed? Because the only other thing I'm really thinking of is, and it's also not a uh, not a comic book, but is the the Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl crossover episode where it was a musical, right? Uh, on CW, um, sure. That was also fun. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Um, the only other kind, I mean, the 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 music for music themed comic. I think she probably means this is a question from Beth, by the way. Um, and I think the she's considering like the comics that are like the the life story of a band or something. Oh, right, okay. like the Guns and Roses comic and everything that just kind of like tells the story of the band. Um, but those aren't really, you know, superhero stuff, right? Like the only, the, the only real world superheroes in, 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 in music are Kiss, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows the Kiss are superhero and superheroes in the real world too. Yeah. And I don't know, for me, band and, band and superheroes just doesn't like, 
or not not band and superheroes, but bands and uh, comics don't really like mesh very well in my head because one is a purely visual storytelling medium and the other one is a purely auditory. Uh, that's so that's why sound related characters always suck, right? Because you can't actually hear what's happening. Yeah. Right? It's why Dazzler sucks. It's why Tyrock sucks. It's why all the characters who are, you know, like have a have a power that is somehow like music related to sound or music or whatever always kind of like fall flat because you're like, well, boy, I imagine what that sounded like, you know. Insert music here. Yeah. Right. Um oh, oh, I can think of one. The Eminem Punisher crossover comic. <laughs> uh, that comic is terrible <laughs> I did not read that one but that's great <laughs> it's it's well worth reading uh, but it is okay. it's like a mid 2000s like the you know yeah it's like mid 2000s Punisher uh, prior to anyone being interested in trying something like new or different with uh, it's it comes out like maybe four years before the Frankencastle uh, run happens where people start right, okay. stuff with uh, the Punisher again. Um, it comes out around the time that Max is coming out, I think. Um, although it's not Max, and it's just awful. It's, okay. It's it's a great uh, idea. It's a great premise. It it is very cool conceptually. Uh, right. And like if people working on it had given a crap, I think it could have been really fun. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, it's it's bad. I do not enjoy that comic. All right. Uh, so that's the opposite of your yeah. question. I'm probably exactly right. Yeah, we've I think we've driven that one into the ground. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, what do you want? Which one? You pick one next. Uh, okay. Here. Let's see here. What do we want to do? Uh, what are the most universally loved and universally hated storylines of all time? This came from Dave M, uh, who was uh, you know a, a longtime friend and backer of our show. Um, and, uh, what do you think? What have universally loved, like by everybody in comics? What, what's, what are the stories that everybody loves and everybody hates? Uh, what is the Claremont, the Claremont X-Men? God kills man or, man. Uh, uh, God loves man kills. God loves man kills. I don't think I've yep. ever heard anyone shit on that comic. Like, it, yep. and it's really good. Like, I like it too. I just. I would say uh, All Star Superman. All Star Superman, maybe. Um, I usually hear universal praise for that. Got to be up there. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking spe specifically of Claremont, um, the entire Dark Phoenix saga. Yes. That entire run, like every, you know, I mean, the movies keep trying to do it, and the movies keep shitting on it over and over again. Um, but I think everybody still agrees that those are some of the greatest comics ever done like people continually screwing that storyline a lot a lot like the killing joke um i feel like people or uh people continually screwing that up after the fact have kind of lessened some people's like adoration for it right um seeing other but, people fail with adaptations or whatever yeah like i mean a, a couple of years ago i might have said uh uh the dark knight returns right but at this point like i don't feel like people have that amount of universal love for it anymore because there's been too many failures trying to adapt it you know right and the and the sequel sucked so yeah, the sequel's bad that yeah. certainly hurt um but for miller for example uh, born again right like yeah. that's everybody everybody loves born again and he's everybody's had good sense to leave it alone Right, like, don't do a sequel, don't do a retelling, don't do a whatever, you know. Just, just let it be. Of uh, newer stuff, uh, I would say Brew Baker's Captain America run. 
Um, yeah. People don't really ever talk badly about it, and it's universally pretty fantastic. Sure. Um, and I might also say Fraction's Hawkeye run. Uh, certainly on my list. Yep. Starting with, uh, what is it? My Life is a Human Weapon. Mm-hmm. My Life is a Weapon, maybe. And there's an example of something that's only been, you know, that, that certainly was not harmed and perhaps might have even helped by the fact that it was referenced but not done straight up, right, in the, in the by the TV show. Yeah, I mean, it's the opposite for me, that one of, uh, and same thing with, um, with, with the Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, those were adapted so well that I think they have only helped the, the legacy of the comic that they kind of spawned off of. Right. I would add uh, maybe uh, Kingdom Come. I think oh, pretty yeah. much everybody, everybody I know loves that. Absolutely. Um, also, uh, Long Halloween. Um, yeah. Would be would be another good one. All right. So in that case, what are the what's the what's the hated ones? What does everybody dump on? I mean, Cry for Justice. Uh, sure. God awful. All Star Batman. Yep. God awful. The uh, Spider Clone would be next. Um, for the spider clone since past so yeah so what about uh secret empire and hydra cap see i'd go to bat for secret empire i don't think it was nearly as bad as people made it out to be um like it's not like an all-time great i don't think but yeah i think if we're putting it as far as what is the most universally uh hated it's probably up there right now i doubt it's still that hated you know five years removed right some, I mean, some, I don't know that it's, it hasn't been out there long enough, right? Like Spider Clone was like so ongoing and had so much kind of, you know, like built up behind it. I think that's probably still the winner just because it was like right there at the, you know, the earliest days of like internet culture, right? Kind of thing where like that became where, where, where the internet audience mattered. Yeah. And, it's and they hated it so much and they hated it. Yeah. With, with Most such a passion. Were series or event comics or something like that that lasted for you know half a year at most. Right. Uh, Spider Clone was like a multi-year epic. Right. Um, that no one liked. Yeah. <laughs> so it was and somehow so they couldn't get out. Right. Like they couldn't finish it. They the even the writers knew it was terrible and they couldn't somehow stop. Yep. And it's just something I don't think we'll ever see something like that again because. Right. They they get the 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 input input so much quicker, um, and they're both companies are probably even a little bit too quick to cancel underperforming titles. Right. We did say ultimatum, right? I just wanted to yeah, make sure. Yeah, I think that, you did. Okay. Yeah. I hate ultimatum. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're not a big fan of heroes biting each other's heads off. Oh my god! Him just taking a big chunk out of. Uh, uh, I got a. I, I recommended it to a friend of mine because they were like, "What's the worst comic?" And they sent me a thing. Is like Hank Pym usually a uh, a cannibal? Because they didn't really <laughs> um, they didn't really cover that in the movies. And I was like, yeah, "Right, yeah, weird that that didn't come up, huh?" Amazing. Um. All right, so I'll pull one up. Um, all right, what do we got here? All right, so this is a little bit about the MCU and a little bit about the comics themselves. Um, And it's basically, what is a Celestial? Um, And how many different things are called a Celestial? Um, This is from my uh, friend and listener, Brian. 
Okay. Um, and basically, I think the the root of the confusion is that ego is a planet and a celestial. Uh, that basically them labeling ego as a celestial and uh, Quill as a half celestial, and what exactly does that? Sure. Mean? Yeah. The, well, your first question's got to be like in the MCU or in the comics, because they're they're clearly very different things between the two. Well, let's let's start with the MCU, I guess then. I mean, the MCU is basically anybody that they say is any kind of, you know, like cosmic being or like member of, you know, this group of like immortal, uh, uh, you know, entities, basically, um, seems to get grouped into this, like, you know, uh, uh, this group that's kind of like vaguely referred to as celestials, right? So they're, they're including elders of the universe, they're including ego, they're including all of these, you know, like different things, because they don't see the need at this point to kind of differentiate between them, right? There's not enough of them yet that they need to be worried that, uh, you know, the, the audience will get bogged down in the, in the, the difference between them. It's just like, oh, he's a big cosmic guy from space, he's a celestial, whatever. Well, Whereas the Celestials themselves in the comics are a, are a separate group. They're a race. They're a set of beings. Um, and there's, you know, like a limited number of them, right? There's a, you know, and, and there's all these other things that are like, that are also space gods that are not related to them. Um, is actually, it's a, a, something I've always been confused about. I don't read a lot of Fantastic Four. Is Galactus a Celestial? Because he no. kind of looks like them. He does kind of look like them, but no, he's not. Okay. Galactus also, Galactus yeah. was a guy. Galactus was a mortal in the universe before this one. Mm-hmm. Right? right. He was like the he was the last survivor of the universe before ours that destroyed that was destroyed, and therefore was the first person alive after the Big Bang. Right? right. Because his ship made the crossover to the, like the next universe, basically, and that made him kind of like one of like the fundamental forces of the universe. So, like, Galactus is, like, you know, refers to himself as, like, the brother of, like, Eternity and stuff like that. That's not, the Celestials are a separate group, so. And I did, he did have a follow-up to that, and uh, I told him I don't think we have an answer, but uh, I'd ask it. Uh, okay. Why is Peter Quill not big? If he's half Celestial, <laughs> Uh, uh, probably because his powers haven't really kicked. It didn't really kick in, right? Like if uh, you know, he's not matured yet. He's not right. Yeah, he hasn't had like the the event or whatever that like fully kicks his powers in. I mean, like why can't he, you know, manipulate the universe with his mind? Because he's not, you know, right. absolutely. Uh, he's not done yet. All right, so I think it's my turn to ask. Okay. Uh, explain Marvel's Assistant Editors Month. <laughs> We've referred to uh, Assistant Editors Month a couple of times in history. It was kind of like it was a big deal at the time. Um, but yes, this is from Mike uh, Mike C, uh, another uh, you know longtime friend and follower of the show. And uh, Assistant Editors Month happened for the first time in January 1984. Um, and what's the, the titles that shipped then for it? And basically the premise was it had been a running joke at Marvel for years before that, that... Uh, every year, most of the editors of Marvel um, took off to go to San Diego Comic-Con, right? And so we're out of the office for a week or two at that point. And so it became a joke that in the office that this was the time that the assistant editors would try to slip something by them, right? This this never really happened. It was never an actual thing. It was just an in-office joke. 
right? That like this was the time, oh, Jim Shooter's out of the office. Let's try to do something that he wouldn't let us do normally. Um, and so it became a joke that like got so big, basically, that they decided one year that they were, in fact, going to do it. That uh, you know there there would be an entire month when the uh, you know the editors were supposedly out of the office, which they only were for like a week, right? Like it's not you know it's not an entire month uh, to go to San Diego Comic Con, and the assistant editors would put out a weird version of their comic that month, and so the January 1984 titles of Marvel all have weird stuff in them, some of which are some of the most beloved stories that Marvel has ever done. Um, the Spider-Man story, the amazing Spider-Man story of that month is The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man by Roger Stern, in which we have a story that is nothing but about a, a kid in the hospital for whom Spider-Man is his favorite hero, and he collects everything and uh, you know, uh, 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 just is devoted to Spider-Man, and Spider-Man finds out he exists and comes to visit him and discovers that he's dying and that the kid is not going to live more than another few weeks, basically. And so Spider-Man reveals his secret identity to him and kind of, you know, takes him into his confidence that, you know, like as, as the kid who has like loved him so much for all this time. Um, it's, you know, one of the regularly regarded as one of the greatest Spider-Man stories ever told. Uh, in Fantastic Four, that's when the Trial of Reed Richards story happens. We talked about this in the Creators in the Comics episode. That's when John Byrne goes off into space uh, to, you know, like uh, uh, record to be like the, the the scribe basically at the Trial of Reed Richards for uh, saving Galactus's life. Um, Iron Man that month uh, had two stories in it. One was a joke comedy story uh, done by Luke McDonald. Um, where we meet a group of kids who are part of like a club of uh, that the, where they pretend to be the Avengers, and since Iron Man has been kicked out of the Avengers for being an alcoholic, that the club has to like kick their kid who loves being Iron Man out of their club too, and he is you know all brokenhearted about it because Iron Man is his favorite superhero and he's very upset that uh, Iron Man is not part of the Avengers anymore. Um, and then the second half of the story the, is a much more serious, much darker story in which a cop bets Tony Stark, who is basically a bum out on the street at this point, uh, suffering from alcoholism, bets him $50 whether or not he can actually get through the day without having a drink. And it's a very kind of like dark and serious story put up against this, you know, like almost like cartoon story about like the kids who love the Avengers, basically. Um, the Avengers that month appeared on the David Letterman show. That was like the story in Assistant Editors Month. Uh, so David Letterman and Paul Schaefer are the guest stars. Uh, Alpha Flight that month did a story in which uh, John Byrne had a snowbird fighting a bad guy in a blizzard. And so the joke of the story is that the middle six pages of the comic are all blank panels, right? Because it's happening during a whiteout. And so you have to kind of like follow the story by following the sound effects and the placement of the word bubbles in the panels in order to understand what's happening in this fight, right? Because there's nothing drawn there. They're all just blank white panels. And uh, it's hilarious and funny and like surprisingly well done, right? Like you come out at the other end and you're just like, I totally understood that fight without a single picture, right? So, um, And then Marvel team up that year uh, or that that month's issue uh, was a joke story in which Aunt May becomes Galactus's herald and becomes the golden oldie, and uh, you know travels around the galaxy finding things for Galactus to eat. And Galactus discovers that he loves Twinkies, and uh, so 
uh, uh, Aunt May manages to get all of the Twinkies on Earth and like feed Galactus, but it's still not enough. And no other planets uh, have Twinkies, and this is a crisis. So she has to go out, and uh, in the end, Franklin has to help her, uh, like you know, find enough uh, uh, Twinkies to satisfy Galactus's enormous hunger. Um, and then the last one of that month was the, the Dazzler from that month actually took place at San Diego Comic Con with all of the editors who were there at the convention. Um, in which Dazzler is also appearing somewhere in San Diego at a concert um, and winds up, uh, you know, having to borrow uh, 20 bucks from Ralph Macchio uh, in order to uh, get someplace that she needs uh, and then returns to the convention to return his $20 to pay him back for the $20 he loaned her and gets into a fight with a supervillain in the middle of the convention. So those are all, you know, generally regarded as like some of the you know funnest and silliest stories that marvel ever did and uh you know the the one month that it happened they've tried to bring it back a couple of times it's never worked since it was basically a one-time thing mm -hmm. very cool uh there was a lot of stuff that i didn't really know about that yeah. uh so what do you want to do where are we going let's, next let's see what's next here um da, 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 da. well uh james uh james m uh again of our you know from our from our fan base here wants to know who your favorite green lantern is uh uh john john stewart probably yeah why uh i don't disagree i'm just curious green lantern as a solo comic to me uh doesn't really do much um like it, i i read uh green lantern solo for maybe like three years and it was always like one of my less favorite titles i didn't get into it with blackest night or when a lot of the like normal jumping on points were um and i just have a preference for green lantern as a member of a uh ensemble like as a member of like you know the justice league by and large and right. Of all of the Green Lanterns that are members of the Justice League, I think John is the best kind of supporting cast, sometimes uh, protagonist among all the Green Lanterns. Right. Um, for Solo, it's Guy. Like, <laughs> Guy Gardner. I don't want to read Solo uh, John comics. Um, I guess then it would be Guy, but really the way I like right, okay, is with the Justice League. Got it. How about you? I'm, you know, the kind of nerd that I am, like what I loved about Green Lantern was that there was a zillion of them. So I love all the weird little alien ones, right? Like none of my favorites are the humans. Got my it. favorites are all like the goofball, you know, I love uh, uh, Chaselon, the big, uh, the big crystal one uh, with the weird, you know, kind of like flappy metal arms that comes off. I love Medfil, who's the the plant one. Um. I love uh, uh, Liesl Pawn, who is the the one who's like a microbe. He's like the size of a virus, basically. He's like a smallpox virus. Um, but the best ever Green Lantern, best ever alien Green Lantern is Rotlap Fan, who was uh, created by Alan Moore in a uh, one of his short stories in the Alan Moore in the Green Lantern uh, annuals. Um, and Rotlap Fan is a alien from a world that is in a uh, nebula. Right, so they can't see the stars in their world, and his species never developed sight as a sense. They all have incredibly good hearing, et cetera, et cetera, and they're they're fine on their planet. They don't 
you know, they, they, they just don't function by, by sight. And so the ring comes to like select him because he's worthy, but Kat Matui, who's come with him, has to explain to him the concept of a green lantern to somebody who does not know the words either green or lantern. Right, because that doesn't color doesn't make sense to him, and a lantern that gives off light. What is that? I don't I don't understand what light is. Right, and so after some the considerable effort, she manages uh, to figure out how to induct him instead of into the Green Lantern Corps to in, uh, induct him into the F sharp Bell Corps, and have him do all of his Green Lanterny stuff by sound. Yeah, he's got his own. He has his own uh, his own oath too. I think. Yeah, he's got his own oath and everything. That that is once again translates, you know, like everything, uh, uh, all of the all of the light related metaphors basically into into sound metaphors. Basically, it's those who hark to evil's knell, uh, uh, beware my power, the F sharp bell. If we're allowed, I, mean, to, I, was, I was only thinking of the protagonist. If we're allowed to pick someone else, though, I'm picking Mogo, the planet. Oh, Mogo is awesome. Absolutely, yes. Also, a, also an Alan Moore creation. Okay. Uh, let's do another one. Okay. Um, let's do best out of the United States company superhero. Ooh. Out of the United States company superhero. It's still in comics, right? We're not doing other. Yeah, I think we have to stay in comics. This is from right, Mike. Okay. S. Uh, Darna. Right, right. Mike. No, Mike S is the is the Oscar is the Oscar. I made a couple oh. of notes for my answer to this. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misread it. Yeah. This is from Mike S. Um, right. So yeah, that's, it has to be a comic book character. And I'm guessing it's the character who's not from the United States, right? Or is it... I'm assuming it's the company is from the not, not the United States. Like, the publisher is not the United States. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Right? So, yeah. I mean, or I mean, you can answer both, right? Like, give, you, give your answer to both of them. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, best... Wow. Okay. Uh, my favorite probably is got to be if you're if we're counting this has got to be Tinny Ablis, right? Who is the Mexican luchador with his own comic? Um, several of the, the several of the great Mexican wrestlers have their own comics. The best written one and the coolest one stars a uh, a Mexican wrestler called Tinny Ablis, uh, who is actually an alien from another world, um, and uh, you know comes from another dimension and is uh, you know not only is he a great wrestler but he's the smartest and wisest man on, on earth and he just happens to be a Mexican wrestler and they're hilarious he is one of the all time great uh, characters and I'm going to say he's 100% my favorite um, I would also include uh, if, if we're just talking for the quality of the stories it's got to be the British Marvel man uh, that turned that was reprinted in America as Miracle Man, right? The Alan Moore stories. Um, I would also include, and I'll make a you know special note that I'm nodding to Rob Dorf when I say this. Uh, uh, another friend of ours for us, but uh, uh, I would include Darna, uh, who is a Filipina uh, superhero. She's kind of the Filipina. People call her the Filipina Wonder Woman, but that's not really accurate. She's really kind of like the Filipina one, the Filipina female version of Shazam, Captain Marvel. Um, and she has been published continuously in the Philippines as a character since 1950. And uh, she has this enormous, uh, you know, set of backstories and just and she's been in 14 movies and a whole bunch of other stuff that's, uh, you know, like about her. And most Americans have never heard of her at all. But uh, in Philippine culture, she's huge, you know, in, in, in importance, like Superman or Spider-Man to them. So, Okay, that sounds awesome. 
Um, What's yours? Uh, do you have well? Do you have one for out of the country? First of all, and if not, do you have one? Um, it's not. I mean, like you know, uh, Scott Pilgrim is probably my favorite comic out that wasn't published in America. I'm not really sure if it counts as a superhero. Yeah, maybe. Um, I've been reading uh, the Nicopol trilogy, but it's also not really a uh, a superhero based comic. It's from France by a Yugoslavian guy. Um, is that Nicktalope? Huh? Nicktalope? Is that what Nic- you mean? Nicopol. Nicopol. I don't know yeah. that one. N i k o p o l. Interesting. Um, I'm unfamiliar with it. I know Nick Delope, who's a French pulp character. I wonder uh, if they're related somehow. Yeah, there's no character. It's it's basically it's um, it's Egyptian futurism sh- cyberpunk. Um, it's really good. Wow. Uh, okay. I usually don't end up reading superhero stuff from other countries, though. Um, right. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, if I'm picking a manga, I'm probably picking uh, Full Metal Alchemist is my favorite. Right. Uh, Japanese one. Um, it, it's rare to find, like, you know, uh, uh, there are not many foreign cultures that, like, do the superheroes the way the Americans do. Yeah. It's, right? It's they a, all feel a little off to us. Yeah, they're always going to, you know, the, yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's a very American Medium, yeah. Media, uh, comics well, are an American medium. Com- you know, but the the superhero story is the as a has a lot of cultural assumptions into it. Yeah, um, and I guess a uh, non-American superhero. I don't know. I'm really partial to Union Jack, so I'll go with Union Jack. <laughs> um, he's the fact that he's a British ninja is just always his his outfit makes me laugh. It's a fair, okay. Um. All right, so I think it's your pick. It's my pick. All right, what are we going to do here? Uh, what is the best cameo of a real person in comics? And this comes from longtime friend of the show, Diane. Can I pick Eminem? Best cameo of a real person in comics. Um, I think we should count like things that are obviously supposed to be a real person, even if they aren't, too. Okay. Right, because um, that's where my answer is actually going to be. Now that I think about it. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Can I pick? Uh, I really like uh, Obama Superman. Um, okay. In, uh, you know, in uh, in Grant Morrison's uh, we Justice League stuff. Sure. Absolutely. Those those are hilarious. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy. I enjoy those. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Sh- Shaq versus Godzilla, I think, is a, uh, <laughs> as a uh, comic is amazing. Right. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, Eminem again. Why not? M&M. Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Punisher. Well, uh, like I said, as we mentioned earlier, uh, David Letterman. Um, his the appearance of the the Avengers on the David Letterman show is one of my all time favorite Avengers storylines. Um, but I'm going to say my actual answer, um, and this is going to give away about you know more more about me personally than I usually tend to reveal for this. But uh, I'm going to say the Steve Englehart Captain America stories, uh, where uh, the head of the Secret Empire is revealed to be Richard Nixon. 
Um, and, uh, you know, Captain America confronts him for his villainy in the uh, Oval Office of the White House, and he commits suicide by shooting himself in the head. That is a better answer than I gave. <laughs> that was a, a great story. I was totally not even thinking about it. Yep. Uh, all right, your choice. Uh, no, it's yours. I, I picked that one. Oh, you're right. You you're up. You're um, up. Who are the most useless X-Men? <laughs> uh, this is from my friend Jess. Okay. Wow. Most useless. The most useless. Right. Are we talking like all of the people who have like hung out at the, you know, at the, at the school or are we uh, only talking people who have actually. I'm going to say, let's limit it to anyone who has been on an X-Men team. Right. Like they've worn the, they've worn the outfit. Right. Right. Well, so um, Beak probably counts at that point. Right. So he's pretty Beak useless. Beak, Beak is very useless. Yeah. I'm gonna say uh, um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little a little uh, uh, obscure here. I'm gonna say it's Forget Me Not uh, from the X Force. Forget Me Not's mutant power is that nobody can remember that he exists, and so he is revealed to have been like a member of the team for many years without anybody notice, noticing that he was there. And uh, there's an entire set of X Force stories in which we discover that like the you know for a bit that the the mansion. Uh, was abandoned, um, but somebody is still like eating the food and you know going through the toilet paper and stuff, and so that's how they eventually like discover that he's still there despite the fact that he's uh, been forgotten. And so Professor X gives him makes a like mental code to like remind himself every morning that Forget Me Not exists because his powers are so powerful that even Professor X forgets that he exists every day. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um. You know, the one that always comes to mind for me is uh, Beak and then Choir, because New X-Men was, New, New Mutants was yeah. full of... And no, Morrison's, no. Morrison's run is full of those, yeah. Yeah, but they're both almost designed on purpose to be useless. Right. So if I'm picking someone who wasn't designed, like, to purposefully be useless, I'm going to pick X-Man, uh, because he always is useless, despite being omnipotent. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick Gray is like the worst character ever. Sure. Um, because he shows up, everyone's really scared of him, and then he does nothing. Um, and that's pretty much his entire right. Life. He's narratively useless, even if he's incredibly powerful. Yeah, he's, right. he never does anything. Uh, he even looks cool. Like I think his whole like you know, uh, white hair, brown hair thing is cool looking. Like. I don't know. He's a character that's always kind of useless. Right. I'm with you. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. I think it's me. Yeah. Uh, okay. What is your favorite uh, what if or elseworld world comic? Or what if or elseworld world, I guess, setting for. So. There's a lot of. Your really favorite alternate version of the Marvel Universe or DC Universe? There's a lot of really great ones. There's actually a lot of really great ones that only showed up once or twice, like in Exiles, because I read all of Exiles a long time ago. Ah, that counts. Uh, the one where everyone's a vampire is pretty cool. Now, I mean, I guess it. I guess at the end of the day, it's probably um, Kingdom Come, which is an Elseworlds of itself. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. But I feel like that's kind of a cop-out, so I'll pick instead... Um, and I don't think that there's a name for this, like, universe, but there's one where Cyclops becomes Captain America, 
Um, and because he lost his powers, and it's in an Ultimates uh, issue, and it's just really good. Like, it's a really cool universe for the, like, you know, couple of panels that we spend on it. Okay. Yeah. I'm unfamiliar with that one. Uh, you know, I can't even... I just remember really enjoying it. I can't even remember what series... I don't think it was an X-Men series. Right. But he's got the Captain America shield, except for it's a big X on it. Uh, and that's just one that I enjoy. <laughs> Is he like representing all of mutant kind or something? Or yeah, basically, I think he, I think he dies. Uh, spoiler: I think he dies in the same issue where they introduce him. Um, uh, all right, but uh, those are two of my. Favorites. I mean, that's what he's doing right now, right? Like he's Captain Krakoa right now. So yeah, I mean, so kind of yeah, he was Captain X America. Uh, Excellent. Captain All right. America. They're going to kill. Uh, it's an Ultimate Fantastic Four versus Ultimate X Men, uh, and uh, the futuristic Hit Squad uh, that he's a part of is there to kill uh, Reed Richards uh, okay. because he's going to do something uh, in the future. Um. Yeah. All right. How about you? My favorite what if is got to be uh, the one by Peter Gillis. Um, and it's the what if Captain America came back today. And of course, by today, they mean 1980, whatever year it was that this was actually published. Right. Um, but the point being that Captain America is not found by the Avengers in Avengers number four or whatever. Um, and is not actually you know brought back until like the modern day of the Marvel Universe. And so in that story... Um, they they bring back the uh, the fifties commie bashing Captain America uh, is instead brought back to life and becomes the head of like an entire fascist America movement um, and beget gets uh, like you know elected president basically and is you know is, becomes like the leader of the country basically and the symbol of the country of like a fascist U.S. and um, the Daily Bugle is becomes like the chief underground newspaper because J. Jonah Jameson is not having any of this being a fascist crap. And uh, Snap Wilson and Peter Parker are like working for him, you know, in the, as, as uh, you know, like underground agents trying to overthrow him. And then the real Captain America is found and confronts the, you know, the, the, the faults, the commie bashing Captain America at a, uh, at a rally in New York city. And it's an amazing story. And it is frighteningly, you know, like, still relevant today unfortunately but uh if you want to like go back and look that one up um you know peter gillis was warning us about stuff like this 40 years ago so that is a great comment um best uh best elseworld you know there's a there's a bunch of them that i really like i mean dc has as as you said uh, they're they're not you know kind of like one shot things they 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 tend to be you know graphic novels or or runs like gotham by gaslight is really good uh red sun is really good if this counts i'm gonna say my favorite is new frontier is is darwin cook so if that if that counts then i i think that's the best one of them that they did but there's a bunch of good ones have you seen uh we don't we we haven't talked a lot about but we could actually probably do a full episode on the different dc animated movies that came out later yes Um, sure that's a that's an idea for we'll we'll talk about that another time i'll ask you about your uh feelings of you know uh, new frontier on there yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so I think now it is me. Okay. Um, who owns the right, uh, movie rights to superheroes we haven't seen yet? 
Well, um, this is much less of a problem than it used to be. Because Marvel has kind of, you know, like made its peace with most of uh, uh, the, you know, the, the companies that had been licensed out. Most of the properties that had been licensed out have, have returned to them. Um, Sony still owns all of the Spider-Man Umbrella characters, right? So the, you know, the same way that it's done Venom and Morbius uh, to this point, they still intend to do several more of these um, using like ancillary Spider-Man characters because they basically own the, or, you know, have the rights to the Spider-Man universe. So like Black Cat, Craven, Madame Web, a bunch of other characters like that are going to get their, eventually their own movies with Sony. That's the plan anyway. Right. Um, Sony, interestingly, also holds the options. Uh, if you're getting away from the big two, most of the Valiant uh, lines are optioned or uh, actually in production with Sony. Um, you may have seen briefly the uh, Bloodshot, the the Bloodshot movie, kind of like went by in a hurry, um, but it was out there, and they apparently have plans to do movies of other uh, Valiant. Um, titles which are kind of only superheroes in the broadest sense but they're you know they are kind of superhero stories um the one character who's still out there who's uh you know stuff is kind of unresolved as, as a question is submariner um submariner has been optioned and licensed by people uh since like the 60s right like stan lee was trying to get a submariner movie or tv show made in hollywood by 1970 right like it's he's you know been trying to get that done for a long time um so like the franchise you know has been kind of like thrown around for 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 a long time the most recent movie rights to it were held by universal um and up until 2016 uh marvel could not use submariner in a movie because universal was holding those rights the exact way that that's been worked out since then remains kind of like a bit of a mystery to the public. Marvel says they've quote unquote resolved that. Um, but there may still be a like distribution claim that Universal has. So like Marvel has the right to put Submariner in a movie, but a Submariner movie with him as the title character would have the same problem that the Hulk does. And like the distribution rights would have to be shared with another uh, company. Whereas if you put Submariner, say, for example, in the next Black Panther movie as like the bad guy or as the, the antagonist and the bad guy, then that's fine the same way putting the Hulk in Avengers movies or Thor movies or whatever is fine. Um, so that that seems to be the case with Universal, but we don't have any actual facts. Like the negotiations have always been private and we are just kind of like going on, you know, statements by lawyers at this point. So. Yeah, and it's a it's a weird, uh, even the Hulk situation is weird because basically it comes down to they can't put his name in the title, but you can have a whole movie that's mostly about Hulk. You just can't right. have him. Yeah, so right. Because, well, once again, it and it's not there's no creative blocking that they can do on it. It's just they have to share the distribution rights. Right. right? There's still an ownership percentage of the rights that that Marvel doesn't want to share. Marvel could make another Hulk movie tomorrow if they wanted to. It just means they'd make less money off of it. Right. There's nothing forbidding them. There's nothing, you know, saying they couldn't do that. That seems that may be the same problem with Namor is that like, you know, they, they could make a Namor movie, but then they'd have to give Universal some amount of money and they just don't want to do that. Whereas if they make him part of somebody else's movie, they don't have to give up any of the money. Yep. All right. So it's you. All righty. Uh, let's see here. What have we, uh, what have we, what have we got? Um, <laughs> 
okay, this is actually uh, from a uh, Champions fan, and uh, it's a uh, question of uh, uh, that's uh, um, somebody who knows us from gaming as opposed from uh, from comics. But it's a uh, why do all the Flash's enemies use focuses? Use foci. Uh, if you've never played champions, that means that all of their powers come from like a gadget as opposed to, uh, you know, like being inherent. Um, and so like, how come specifically the flashes rogues gallery is made up of people who seem to be way less powerful than the flash? Like why, why is that? What's the deal with that? I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but it's totally true. Most of like flashes, you know, bad guys, uh, seem like they should just get wiped out by the flash in like less time than it takes to write about it. Right? Like, Captain Boomerang? Really? Captain Cold? Yeah, I mean, he really has um, the, the two types. There are other speedsters, or people using gadgets, right? Those yeah. are really Flash's enemies. And I guess the easy answer to why they all use focuses is because it's really funny when the Flash just takes their item from them, right? That's what, <laughs> that's how, in a lot of those older comics, right? He just runs over, he takes their item, he breaks it, and then the fight's over. Right. Um, so it gives a a very natural ending to uh, any sort of you know uh, showdown with um, with his enemies. But also, I mean, the Except somehow it seems that like it it always takes, as you say, it takes until the end of the story to do that. Right? You'd think Flash could do that on page two, and yet uh, somehow he's never quite able to do it. Probably has had the biggest power increase from. His creation till now. I think that's key. I think that I think you've got it there. Basically, part of the problem is that the Flash, you have to remember, is literally the first Silver Age character. Yeah, right. He invents the Silver Age. Barry Allen becoming the Flash is the beginning of the Silver Age, right. and so his first few villains are also the first villains of the Silver Age. Right? They're literally like the first guys to show up. And and so they're kind of like coming from a golden age tradition. And in golden age comics, it was very common for the hero to be way more powerful than the villain, right? Superman never faced a threat that was really much of a danger to him. He never faced a guy with a problem. He might face a giant robot or a space alien or have to stop a comet from crashing into earth or something like that. But Superman never met a guy who could go toe to toe with him or very rarely because that just wasn't, the style of superhero stories that was being told then, right? Like the bad guys in a superhero comic in the golden age are usually smart guys. They're smart guys who have a plan and they've put their plan in motion. And then the hero has to figure out the plan. And then they come in and beat them up in just like the last page, right? There's no pages long epic battle. The story is about how the hero like figures out the plan or figures out the problem or realizes like what's going on. And so a lot of Flash's earliest bad guys are literally coming from that tradition, right? They have a shtick, they have a cool gadget that does a thing, and you know, the next thing you know, Central City is covered in ice. Oh no, who's doing it? Right? It's not the question of can the Flash beat up Captain Cold? It's can the Flash figure out that Captain Cold even exists and then go like figure out how he's doing this, right? And and undo it, right? So it's it's a couple of years at least into the Flash's comics before he gets a bad guy who can really stand up to him in a fight. And I'd say it's probably Gorilla Grodd is probably the first Silver Age villain who is the equivalent of a hero, who is like a guy as powerful as the heroes are. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it, I don't think you can like find an early Superman didn't really. I mean, you can, I guess it depends on whether you count 
uh, Brainiac as a Silver Age villain. He kind of is. He's kind of the end of Golden Age, beginning of Silver Age. Yeah, I guess that's um, But like, even, you know, Superman's main bad guys aren't, but Luther's not a threat to him physically, right? It's not like Luther's going to beat him up. Brainiac is the first guy who can kind of take one of Superman's punches. Um, and Grodd, I think, is definitely in the, in the, the Silver Age characters. Um, I think is the first bad guy who you're like actually concerned when he is going toe to toe with the flash. Yeah. And uh, part of it's also, I think like memory, right? Like, um, and, and who gets used later going on. Right. Right. Because, um, Barry doesn't have a lot, but, um, uh, Wally, uh, has plenty of just supernatural, uh, enemies that he powerful bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and they right. just aren't interesting, so they don't come back. Well, you you have to give credit to those early Flash writers, right? You have to give them to to uh, Carmen Infantino and guys like that that they made memorable, fun bad guys, yeah. even if they weren't like a threat. You still want to read. You you still want to have Captain Boomerang come back because he's hilarious, right? Not because he's not because he's like a, a a menace or whatever, right? Like those the, the many characters, like the first few guys that they fight, get attached to them forever. You know, and they're always going to keep coming back, even if they're kind of lame, because, you know, they're they they they've been there since the beginning. Right. You know, so. Yeah. And uh, Captain Cold and Captain Boomerang are two of my like absolute famous favorite characters. And it's, you know, not because they're super powerful. I think it's just because they're like neat. Right. And they're awesome. Yeah, And that's a great, I mean, like Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad, the whole reason for him being in Suicide Squad is kind of taking the piss from that entire concept, right? As like as Waller always says that the reason she put Boomerang on the team is because Captain Boomerang is the kind of lunatic who goes out and fights the Flash by throwing sticks at him, right? And that's so insane. And yet somehow he's not dead, <laughs> right? Therefore, whatever it is that's keeping him alive, I want that luck on my team, you yeah. know? That's a great kind of like, you know, retroactive explanation for what the hell is up with Captain Boomerang, right? It's like, no, he's insane, right? Like he thinks it's a good idea to throw sticks at the Flash. Yep. And uh the the Rogues comic where they uh it's a little off topic, but where they get revenge uh on Zoom. Yes. Um, for uh killing Wally, I think. Um is just one of the best like presentations of all of those characters if people haven't read it they definitely should sure also yeah. i would argue the uh um as long as we're talking about animated series stuff the, the justice league animated episode where batman watches flash deal with his supervillains. oh yeah that one's fantastic. right and yeah. batman is always you know batman's like all of my you know villains are like these horrible you know monster killer you know just terrible terrible people and you're actually like taking care of yours right like flashes shows up at the bar to make sure like that like you know that the trickster is taking his meds and whatever <laughs> that's a that's a really good one the i i can never say enough good things about justice league unlimited absolutely League the the first one too um I All think right. we're coming to an end here, my friend. I think this is, uh, you know, uh, this is this has been a fun episode, and we should do another one of these sometimes, maybe next year. Sounds great. Yeah. So, um, if we didn't get to your question uh, this time, uh, we'll get to it in the next one of these. Or uh, send us more. Or send and please send us more. Absolutely, and thank you to everybody who did put one in. That was great. Yeah. Uh, thank you all so much. I've been Steve Pastor. I'm Darren Watts. Good night. Thanks for coming.